Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. In this episode, we share with you a special um, episode from the Brisbane Property Panel. And today, Melinda and I are joined by special guest, Justin Nickerson. Justin is one of Brisbane's most knowledgeable auctioneers to talk through the Brisbane property market and what we are seeing on the ground during the last quarter of 2023. A little bit about Justin. Justin's the only Australian to win the Australasian Auctioneer of the Year three times in the history of the award. He's also a five-time winner of the REIQ Auctioneer of the Year Award, again being the only auctioneer in the state to achieve this distinction. Uh, We'll talk through what is uh, currently seeing in the Brisbane market and discuss the urgency, opportunity, and some of the decisions that buyers are currently faced with uh, in the in the market as we see it now. 2021 was the most extraordinary year you've ever seen. Mm. 2022 pulled back. 2023 has kind of accelerated again. So we sort of had this kind of mismatch. But thinking back 12 months ago, um, I think 12 months ago we were in the midst of sort of uncertainty. Mm. We came in to 2022 um, expecting the market to continue what it was in 2021, which was this buoyant, strong, competitive, white-hot market. And then it was almost around the Easter time that it's like someone just turned off the tap. Mm. Things just changed almost dramatically. And it took a long time for everyone to kind of, um, and I was an auctioneer and agents and buyers and sellers to sort of adjust to that. Um, and then we had the crux of the interest rate rises. Mm. You know, the Starting in May. Yeah, interest mm. rate rises that then happened, which then knocked confidence. So the confidence sort of got, got held back. And at the end of last year, we were right in the midst of that. We were in a market that didn't know what had gone on from start of the year, interest rate rises, when were they going to end, a bit of uncertainty around there. But I think now we've found, I wouldn't say normal, but we found more stability this year. Mm. Um, our markets continue to perform well. The one exceptional thing has been the lack of listings. You mm. know, we've had historically low listings in just about every geographical suburb since COVID. Mm. That hasn't changed. And that's sort of forced the buyer demand, even if it has limited somewhat, to sort of go through this pipeline of limited listings. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether that continues or not. And what's interesting also is what's happening here in Brisbane is quite different to what's happening in other capital city markets around Australia. So you mentioned, you know, the listing volumes across Brisbane throughout a lot of the months of this year have been, um, you know, back, really low. Way, so the, the ratings will plummet again now. Welcome, Scott's back, Welcome so. back, Scott. I'll just apologise there. We, we had a little bit of an audio issue. Um, oh. So if... If we did miss something at the start, um, there wasn't a lot. There's a couple of introductions, obviously, but um, yeah, there wasn't a lot missed. So, fixed up on the IT guru, by the way, Justin. Yeah, so we couldn't I'm... find anyone competent. So Scott is Scott is it. Sorry, I'm to cut you off. Yeah. No, that's okay. It's always um, one of the glitches of going live is uh, making sure that all of the the tech is is ready to go. Um, so I was just saying, yeah, the listing volumes throughout a lot of 2023 here in Brisbane have been um, have remained low. Now that's not the, the case in other capital city markets. So we've seen, for example, Melbourne and Sydney and um, Hobart and also Canberra or the ACT have an increase in the listing volumes. And that has resulted in um, uh, a lower rate of growth or price growth month on month in those markets, whereas Brisbane, Perth and also Adelaide markets have actually really experienced low or declining listing volumes across the same period. Um, And if we look at the, the growth since January this year, 
the three capital city markets that are leading that growth are actually Sydney, Brisbane and Perth. But if we look at the most recent three months, uh, the three markets that are now accelerating and leading that growth are Brisbane, Perth and Adelaide. Now, that's simply because in those other larger capital city markets, listing volumes have increased, so buyers have more choice and therefore um, the buyers are more diluted across more stock. That's not happening here in Brisbane. And I'd love to understand, Justin, through what you're seeing in terms of um, auctions throughout this year in 2023, have you seen an increase in the number of registered bidders in line with, you know, increased buyer depth across the board compared to last year? Yeah, we, we definitely have. Not not an extreme um, rise. One The one thing we have noticed is that even if the quantity hasn't increased significantly, the quality has. Yeah. So we've had, um, and last Saturday is a really good example, we had a number of auctions last Saturday, only a couple of them had what we deem high registration numbers, which is probably eight or above. Uh, the majority didn't, the majority had sort of between one and four, but we sold just about everything. Um, mm. In the end of the day, we'd finished up 13, finished 13 from 15 under the hammer. So although the buyer depth wasn't that deep with those properties, the the strength was actually really strong. Mm. Um, and that's the thing we've noticed is the buyers who are in the market right now understand that that cliff that was forecast hasn't happened and is unlikely to happen. You know, everyone forecast that all oh, these interest rates are going to hit and people are going to be in trouble and it's going to be a bloodbath. And, and that just didn't, that wasn't reality. And the buyers now, I think, have acknowledged that, accepted that and said, hey, if we're going to buy a property right now, we've got to accept that we have to go at it relatively hard because there's not a lot for sale. That's the underpinning thing is that if they miss a property today, the other type of property they want, there's there's unlikely to be another alternative. Or if there is, there may be only be one or two. Um, whereas in more normal markets, you miss a property today, that's okay, because you've got three or four others on the shopping list that are, that are comparable. And, and you guys, no doubt, would be um, experiencing this on a daily basis where a buyer rings you up and says, here's my criteria. And you might be able to find a property that's live that matches that criteria, whereas go back three or four or five or six years and you probably could find four or five for them. Mm. Um, so that selection of choice gets taken away. So you don't need as many buyers, you just need committed ones. Mm. How are you seeing the numbers of auctions that you're actually um, getting called up to, to call? Is that number higher or is he, is he seeing it sort of consistent, the number you're calling per week? Um, yeah, it's been a bit seasonal this year. We had the the traditional, um, our, our leanest months of the year generally are through the middle of the year. Mm -hmm. um, we joke that agents go to Europe, so <laughs> and agents are our lifeblood, so <laughs> our, our client base goes to Europe and they're not listing houses while they're, they're in the um, south of France or, or the... Uh, or in Tuscany. So we, we always have that slowdown, but I think that's a, um, a seasonal change slowdown more than anything else. But we've had a really strong year, which has been nice. Um, and it's not unique to us. Every auction year we've spoken to has had a really strong year in terms of auction numbers. Um, not to a level that 2021 was. That was an exceptional year by every category that you could ever imagine. Um, and maybe a year that we probably won't see that again, but um, a better year than 2022. And particularly the back part of the year, the last six months, we started, we started the year behind what we were the year before. So we were behind 2022 till about June. And then since June, we've accelerated away from last year's numbers. So um, we do a booking record where we look at the comparable week of the year before and we have a symbol green or red is it green or is it red red's obviously not as many green is more and we've we've had something like 23 or 24 green weeks in a row which is yeah. so so unusual um so yeah really really strong numbers but again not unique to us every auction you would be experiencing the same thing um there's just been more of them which is great so what about 
Um, that's obviously partway through the year when they go to Europe. Do they go to uh, Whistler come Christmas time? What are you seeing now? No, they go to Noosa. <laughs> to Noosa? Yeah, yeah. So Noosa you... or Bali, depending on your, your taste. So, so what yeah. about from now toward to lead up towards the festive season for Christmas and in towards New Year? What, what are you seeing at the moment? Yeah, it's it's busy. So uh, December's a funny month for us. December almost produces or, or on par with a normal month, yet we do it in 17 days instead of... 31 mm-hmm. so it's a december's an incredible time um we have a lot of events that get jammed in we do auctions you know each and every time throughout the day like everyone's just looking and they sort of let go of their um thought process that it has to be you know this time or that day because they just want to get it done pre-christmas and particularly their owners do so december for us is always a really exceptional um exceptional month and this this year is shaping up to be much the same in terms of our booking numbers then we really go on a hiatus um from the middle of december through till probably the Really, the third week in January. Um, we'll do a few through that. Um, I won't because I'll be on holidays. But no, that's when you go to Whistler. <laughs> I don't. I don't. No, no, no. Um, we just we've got a, a house on the Sunshine Coast, so we just kind of retreat up there for a while and have the time up there. Um, but yeah, we'll we sort of shut down our auctioneers. A few of them still call a few auctions. But what's what has happened for us is because we do a lot of work on the Gold Coast. The Gold Coast in particular gets back earlier than Brisbane. Yep. So that Australia Day weekend, um, courtesy of Ray Watt Surface Paradise, who sort of forged new ground with the event for a number of years has become a real kind of lightning rod for auctions so people launch their campaigns um first week in january and auctions the third and fourth week in january through the gold coast are really prevalent um so yeah it'll be it'll be a strong time and then february is when brisbane traditionally comes back to first week in in february but our new zealand business is interesting that they they don't do anything really through january so they, they don't come back till february agents don't auctioneers don't Solicitors don't. Everyone does. Uh, we joke it's because it's the only good month of weather of the year they have, so they're going to make the most of it. Um, but it's interesting how it changes from sort of location to location depending on the, yeah. the temperature of the people and the and the air, I suppose. Interesting. And, and what about something we've probably we've probably seen a little bit, Justin, is um, property selling prior to auction. Are you seeing much change in that space? And again, we've from a buyer's agent side of it, we've probably seen properties list to go to auction. Um, and then there has been quite a few that we've noticed that will sell prior to auction. Um, not sure what the motivation is there, whether they just want to sell it fast and get it done or whether it's unconditional and the sellers will know that they, um, they'll get an unconditional offer. Are you seeing much of that? It's, it's actually dropped right off. So we had a run um, through... I can't remember exactly what month it might have been. It might have been September or October where our sole prior rate is the highest it had been in three years. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing about the sole prior rate we find is the sole prior rate is a indication that the market is about to shift in a direction. When the market tends to flatten off, um, the sole prior rate goes up because the, buy- the agents and the vendors sense it. They realise they don't have depth of competition. They want to wrap deals up before, yep. um, mm-hmm. before it happens. Um, on the flip side, when the market starts to increase buyers sense it earlier because they start missing out on properties they don't want to miss out they don't want to compete they put in really strong offers prior to auction to try and snatch it away from competition yeah. so it usually doesn't last that long a really high sold prior rate um it's kind of it can be an indication that something is sort of about to move uh, we love sold prize they're an auctioneer's dream sold prize so <laughs> it's always nice when when that happens but this time of year we do tend to find that there are a few more that sell prior because what 
particularly vendors want to avoid and buyers that that note is uncertainty they don't mm. want to have uncertainty across christmas what they want to do is they go you know what we might get an extra 20 grand 30 grand 40 grand 50 grand but we don't want to be worrying over the christmas table whether our house is for sale or not we want it wrapped up and be able to move on with our life um and december and january are life change times we find yeah. mm. so what you found you mentioned that the sold prior rate increased or spiked throughout october november but that's changed again mm. is that um, you, you mentioned also that that's often an indicator of a changing market. So the fact that it's changed slightly, um, do you feel that it is still an indication of a changing market or was it an indication of um, exactly what you've explained, people wanting that certainty prior to Christmas? And is that a seasonal trend therefore? Yeah, I think it was an early indication the market was heating up a little bit. Um, right. Yeah, I think it was it was more driven by buyers making really strong offers prior to auction. We had a number of cases where an agent would ring us and say, look, I really want to take this one to auction. I actually had a few buyers, but this buyer came in red hot and mm. took it away from the market. So that was that was happening kind of on a pretty regular occurrence. So but my mm. guess would be as an indication the market was starting to strengthen a little bit. The buyers sensed it and they didn't want to compete. Um, and I think that's probably rung true for the last probably six weeks of auctions or so that we've had. Mm. Uh, we've had really strong results and really strong um, numbers, both from clearance rate but also from, from booking numbers. And that market, I think, has been driven by, again, lack of, lack of stock um, predominantly. So if the market, in your um, opinion, has started to lift again in terms of that, um, that demand from buyers, that fear of missing out, and perhaps if that October, November was the time in which you started to notice that change, are you noticing this change across all segments of the market or is it a specific segment of the market that's stronger than other segments across Brisbane? Yeah, so, some are hotter than others, um, but it's a pretty, it's a pretty large sen sentiment across the board. Mm -hmm. um, the hottest properties unquestionably now are in that inner outer ring which is that kind of three to four to five kilometer ring of the cbd mm. and well done finished product yeah. ones where people can move in from day one turnkey in essence move in from day one and, and unpack boxes and start enjoying life mm. um yeah that's been such a change because when i started calling auctions the first you know, eight, I don't want to give away my age, but the first, the first few years of me calling auctions, um, everyone wanted a renovator. Renovators yeah. were the, you know, people would ring us, oh, I've got a crack, I've got a renovator in Wilston, and we know we'd have 21 registered bidders because renovators bought everyone in. They bought in tradies and they bought in builders and they bought in um, people who want to do some work to a property to customise it, mm -hmm. people who could only just get into the market in that suburb but saw it as a way to get into that suburb, um, people who want to knock down and rebuild. So it bought in everyone and that created that frenzy of competition. Yeah. Now, because builders are so difficult to get and so expensive people don't want that they mm. want to start living from day one um so that's been the most the the most popular ones there's exceptions to that but those ones are, are unquestion unquestionably the big um the most popular ones the other focus we've noticed is a focus back towards big blocks mm. people again valuing land um, because with land comes options, mm. you know, big backyard, um, big pool, big deck, you know, room for the kids. Like that's become back in vogue. Um, you know, the Australian dream of the, the border collie and the two kids running out in the back, the backyard is sort of back, which is, yeah. which is kind of cool. Yeah. It's interesting because when we look at um, opportunities that may be on two lots, for example, and a lot of people look at those opportunities in Brisbane for the subdivision potential, but we are seeing that demand mm. um, more from home buyers that want that big block and have no intention to subdivide that lot at any time in the future, but instead they're buying that home so that they can do future re renovations and improvements because it's the land that is a scarce part of any property that you buy. So people are spending more to buy quality land in well-located uh, positions around Brisbane 
Brisbane. And I think on that too, because building costs have risen so strongly, it becomes less attractive to subdivide things mm. and do builds. So therefore your mum and dad who want a big block become the premium purchaser, mm. whereas before it was the subdivider who was. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's been a really interesting trend that, um, and interesting to see if it, it continues, but yeah, the big blocks are definitely back. Yeah. It, that, the comment you had, Justin, on the renovators, and I was at a property today for a client of ours that we helped purchase a property, and we're looking to do it, we're helping them to do a full renovation on it. There's still opportunity on it. And that, that's just the people that, I guess, if you don't have the contacts and you can't do that sort of work and have the trades that you can access, people are scared of it because mm. there's still a lot of people talking. And we know construction costs went up. Um, that's not going to change. That will, that'll stay there now. Yeah. Um, it's not going to drop down. But there is still that opportunity for that. But I think people are still really afraid of not being able to get trades. Um, and that's probably what's scaring them a lot. Um, and mm. that's pushed that opportunity for that renovations away a bit. And, and I agree, the, the finished product, that's what people want. They want to be able to move in, live mm. life, and get on with things. I know it scares me. I'm, I would be the worst handyman that you've ever come into contact with on the face of the planet. Like hanging a picture is a big deal for me. Like that's a big deal. So any sort of work means that I know I'm going to be paying through the nose because not only do I have to get someone external, but they probably sense that I have no idea what they do. So therefore there's a um, there's probably a bit of a premium that gets put on the invoice for that as well. Do you, do you buy stuff at Ikea at all? Uh, no, no. We made that mistake early on and have not made that mistake since. So, yeah. That makes sense. Actually, um, I do funny we we got our when we built um, when we renovated our house, we got our cupboards built with IKEA, and um, I was a bit skeptical, but I got outvoted as I commonly do. Yeah. And anyway, we got this guy to come and assemble it, and his full time job is assembling IKEA furniture, and he was a wizard, like a wizard. <laughs> assembled this wardrobe in in like an hour and a half or two hours, like fueled by mother and and uh, Red Bull and you know chocolate and that he was an absolute wizard with an Allen key so it's about a week's work for you oh I'd still be going I'd, not even a week I'd honestly still be going and I'd, my hands would be red raw and yeah anyway we digress yeah oh, I love digression um, I love diverging from the um, the story but I would like to actually touch on and, and talk about some of the stories that you may have seen throughout Brisbane now you talk about a market where we've got this depth of buyers and we've got low list volumes and you know we see strength in that auction market can you give us any examples and we're not going to talk about property addresses of course but examples of where you've seen at auction people pay far too much for the property and when I say far too much you're an auctioneer I know you represent the seller but you would know prior to um, starting the auction where the reserve is and you can see instances perhaps where um, without competition you can see buyers pay uh, whatever it takes can you give us an example of when you've experienced that sort of thing happen mm. yeah i don't know i don't know about paying far too much i think um yeah it's it's such a hard thing because price is so subjective right like it is. it's everyone's mm. got an opinion on it and it's funny when you when you walk out after an auction and a neighbor bails you up 99 percent of the time or 90 percent of the time they say that was cheap 10 percent <laughs> of the time they say that was too much they never say that was exactly what I thought, you know. Yeah. So it's hard from that, but there's there's been a couple of um, there's been a few examples lately where things have probably gone beyond where um, where Expect we expected. Yeah, beyond mm. expectations, probably a good way to put it. Um, really, sort of face level, an interesting example was not not necessarily because the buyer paid too much because someone was right behind them, but we did that no reserve auction recently um, oh, in Crestmead. <laughs> um, that evaluation on that property that that came in significantly under what it what it sold selling. for so they had that pre pre-sale or pre-auction um no reserve auction brave marketing strategy but 
you know, their courage got rewarded. 161 mm. registered bidders, um, you know, and just a, a sea of people, um, and then a result that was that was you know sort of 25 percent or 30 percent above the valuation on a house that squatters had ruined. So, mm. yeah, that like that one there kind of makes you it reinforces to you that competition sort of overrides everything. Mm. You know, the market always catches you, and competition overrides everything. Um, you know, we had an auction recently where we had um, I think 18 registered bidders and, and a knockout bid. You know sort of put them all to the floor at the opening bid. Um, you know, you could look at that strategy and say, well, no one else bid. Does that mean they were at a higher level than anyone else? Or was their strategy so brave that, or so bold that it actually set the people that were thinking that kind of number, like, well, if they've started there, they're not gonna, they're not gonna back off and knock them out. So it's such a hard thing to, um, to say that, but occasionally you do have ones that bob up and you kind of go, wow, that was an incredible outcome. What do you think causes it? Is it, is it the emotion sometimes, most of the time from people? Getting emotional, caught up, and wanting, wanting, really getting caught up on the property and wanting to have it so much, or yeah, I or is think, it your skills of negotiation? Well, that's 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 clearly <laughs> it. Yeah, that's clearly. I'm glad you got to the answer. Um, no, I think, and, and my philosophy as a buyer is probably you know a seller's dream in a lot of cases. That within reason, as long as I can afford it, I don't really care that much what I pay for it because mm. I don't think I'll ever be sitting there. You know, in the house that I really wanted to buy in a month's time after it settles and going, oh, gee, I wish I'd saved that 30 grand or 40 grand. Or like, you'll either buy the house and you'll enjoy it or you won't enjoy it. Yeah. So um, for me, within as long as you can afford it, you know, what does it really matter what, what you pay yeah. to do it? But that philosophy is not the same for everyone. Mm. That's that's my own, my own personal one. I, I've just got that thought process that I don't get paralyzed by there. We see a lot of buyers that arrive in, and this is probably the opposite of what you're talking about, Scott, but a lot of buyers arrive in with two objectives in auction. Their primary objective is to buy the home. Their secondary objective is to save as much money as they can. Mm. And they become so paralyzed that the second one overtakes the first one. Yeah. And the second one gets in the way of their primary objective. <laughs> so I think in those situations there, you, you do have a degree of buyers that walk in through emotional connection, through love of property, through um, sick of searching, through sick of uncertainty, through thought process of I'm never going to find what I want and they walk in and go, this is it. Like this mm. is, we never knew this existed. And then it, they go, well, we're just going to pay what it takes. Yeah. Like as long as we can afford it, we're going to pay what it takes. And I think people particularly maybe at the latter stages of their life, more like you guys. Um, <laughs> thanks. Thanks. That was a joke, by the way. Um, but people more in their latter stages of life, I think, are more likely to have that attitude because yeah. they're kind of like, well, you know what? Our financial future's pretty much settled now. Like, whether we whether we save a bit of money on buying this property or not, it's really going really to matter for us. What's going to matter now is quality of life. Mm. Whereas a younger person like me, you know, <laughs> if we make a, if we make a mistake today, like it takes time to undo that mistake. Yeah. Um, obviously I speak tongue in cheek because uh, I think we're the same generation, but I think <laughs> that's just my thought process is they, they just go with that mentality. We're going to pay what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and people, you don't, you know, as, as you say, people, you don't tend to sell your house straight away. So yeah. you, as you said, you might spend a little bit more now. Yeah. But you're not going to sell it in a year's time, exactly. or two years, or three years. Yep. You're probably living it for a good ten years yep. thereabouts. Then I'll be about forty. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> you're me, you're me, Scott. And I think the thing is, like in a year's time, right? Everyone in the moment will say that was too much, mm. or that was a bargain, or whatever. In a year's time, people will be pointing at that price on RP data and saying, "Well, that's all for that. Therefore, this is worthwhile." Mm, so exactly. just yeah. it's just time. Yeah, and and, and we could. You know, Melinda would have the, the stats and the numbers and we all have a fair idea anyway. But if you then wait for a month and you're still shopping, 
that market's moved another, you know, 1.4% mm. thereabouts. Mm. Yeah, and, and, if, and if you found a property has. that for you was a 95 out of 100, does the next property that comes up isn't an 86, yeah. mm. you know? Right. So then you've got to sacrifice, oh, well, we'd love the other one because it had the view, but this one doesn't really have the view, or it had the big backyard and this one doesn't because of the construction of the block, or all of a sudden you've got to sacrifice something you really wanted that you could have bought, but you, you were, your primary objective became saving money instead of... Yeah. Achieving the, achieving the sale. It really is interesting the way you describe that, talking about the primary objective of saving money versus the primary objective of buying mm. the home. Because for our clients, when we represent buyers, we're always providing them with a full comparative market analysis where we show the objective value. But there's no subjectivity mm. in that. It's purely based on the most recent comparable sales. And we're coming to a determination of the value of one home um, compared to many other homes that, that may have a lot of different uh, land sizes and, and property sizes and layouts and they're different uh, designs. They're comparable in, in some respects, but they're not, not identical because property is not identical. So the objective value um, sits within a range. However, we are finding consistently in the Brisbane market right now that most properties are selling at the very top end or over our objective value um, that we're coming up with for properties. And that's simply because of those buyers that you've just described, Justin, whereby They'll pay whatever it takes to actually get into the market. And in a market where we're seeing that growth rate, and, and at the moment for housing, it's 1.4% per month. And for units, it's 1.3% per month. So there's also an opportunity cost of not buying today and waiting for another two or three months for that next property to come along. And I think that buyers are now starting to price in that cost up front and they're prepared to stretch more just to get into the property. Because as we've pointed out previously in the discussion tonight, there's a low um, number of listings that are becoming available. And, you know, from our conversations with sales agents in Brisbane, that's not changing anytime soon. And we do speak to a lot of agents across the board and um, we use software to get our client briefs into the handsets of every um, sales agent's um, mobile phone. And we know that there's not a, a huge volume of stock coming this side of Christmas. So, you know, that tells us that the buyers that are still in the market are going to be competing for you know, really limited stock. And that is simply what is continuing to push prices up in the current market. What about um, opportunity? Uh, I know we talk about um, people, say, getting emotional in an auction and, and paying what we think some people might say too much. Um, but then you run into that neighbour, as you said, and they say, well, that was too cheap. Are you still seeing those opportunities come up? And I know we, we've probably joked about it previously and said that um, COVID divorces happened and everyone, you know, those divorces, you're, in, you're either in love and life was great or you had a COVID divorce and you might be selling your property off. There, there are opportunities obviously out there for people to buy um, what we, you know, as you said, the neighbour saying that was too cheap. You're still seeing, are you seeing much of that side of things? I think it's very, very hard to get a bargain these days. Mm. Um, you know, I think bargains might have existed back when properties weren't as prolifically marketed as they are now. Mm. It's very hard to be the only person to see something. Mm. You know, like anything's going to come with competition. You know, the Crestmead one's a great example that, you know, you line 100 people up on the street and ask, do you want to live in a squatter's house in Crestmead? No, but you take the reserve barrier away from it mm. all of a sudden everyone wants to buy it. So yeah. it becomes very, very hard to find a bargain. I think where you can have opportunity though is when you, you can look to buy something that other people will shy away from. So at the moment that may be renovators. That yeah. may be taking on a project that other, very few people are prepared to take on yeah. um, because they, they struggle with building costs. So that's where you mentioned it earlier. People with a trade background where their hands have got a massive free kick at the moment because yeah. their cost base is significantly lower than everyone else, which mm. means it works at a level for them that doesn't work for anyone else. Mm. 
Um, so that's a that's a big um, advantage. Um, maybe starting to look at suburbs, maybe a suburb out from where you thought, and try and forecast what's going to be the next sort of um, not next boom suburb, but the next suburb that that is likely to undergo the kind of revolution that most suburbs do. You know, yeah. what suburb at the moment is that kind of a bit edgy, a bit sketchy suburb that one day is going to become a hotspot with cafes and, mm. and you know, and it's it's as old as true as time. Look at any of the great suburbs in Brisbane or most of them. They're all sketchy suburbs at one stage. Mm. Like, look at New Farm, mm. you know, Paddington. West End. Um, West End. Like, these are all kind of places that going back years and years ago, people avoided and now they're, mm. they're, um, they're hubs. So... Yeah, you know, it's very hard to forecast that though. Like that, there's a yeah. lot of different factors that go into that. Um, but look, look at what sort of things do people shy away from, and maybe take the punt on the ones they do. We did a podcast a couple of weeks ago um, with Peter Klusos and talking about gentrification, and it, that's exactly what he talked about. And, and this is this. I, look, I think this is a good thing for the whether it's the younger people trying to get into property. Mm. You don't need the bells and whistles. It doesn't no. have to be pristine. Do a little bit of hard yards and and actually do some hard work to actually make it your home, buy in a really good opportunity. And he, he talked about gentrification on, you know, the, the pub's now a, a craft brewery place. Um, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's yoga studios. There's, you know, he talked about all these things and you can actually see it because we talk about it in Brisbane and you look at West End, you look at New Farm, you look in those areas. Yeah. Years ago, you didn't really want to go through those areas. Now it's, it's very trendy and yuppie and everyone wants to live in those areas because yeah. it is gentrified and that next suburb as you said if you move out slightly and that is the right suburb that does start to change yeah. there's your opportunity um, for that growth as well mm. definitely yeah I, I think you know on the north side like you look at suburbs like um, you know Stafford's probably right on the border of a suburb that's maybe start to go undergo that but probably hasn't done the full uh uh, metamorphosis yet you've got Chempside West all those sorts of suburbs I guess are the ones that are probably the next wave to go the ones inside of that have already happened mm. like it's too mm. late at those ones you've got to sort of get out and get out in front of it yeah absolutely uh, Justin I'd love to ask you about um, properties that might be selling at auction for less than what you would otherwise, um, you know, think that the, the value sits at now in a car, in a market like now where there's more buyers and sellers, is that actually happening? Are there, you know, instances where you're not getting that buyer demand on properties, and you know, vendors are willing to meet the market, and and buyers, you know, vendors are adjusting their reserve at auction. Is that still happening in the current market? Yeah, definitely. Um, not as frequently as it probably did, but there's definitely still ones that that just don't have the level of interest that you anticipated. That's the biggest surprise. So mm. sometimes an agent will launch one. Um, you know, we had one recently where it was a new build in, in a relatively good suburb, not too far from the CBD. And the agent, when he, he booked it in, said, this is going to go off, we'll have heaps of interest. And we ended up not having a registered bidder on the day. Um, mm. They had a reasonable campaign, but no one really grabbed it and loved it. And that one there, you would expect that it ticked all the boxes, you know, in a... Um, in a good suburb, um, new builds, like all those, all those things were there, but it just didn't hit for whatever reason. So that's one thing we've noticed this year is the market can be pretty fickle, mm. um, both ways. Sometimes they don't hit and other times you think this can be a hard one and then you get inundated, um, mm. for really no rhyme or reason. So yeah, it's, um, it's that inconsistency. I think that's the hardest part for an agent at the moment mm. and from a seller, but for an agent, because they, they want to try and provide a pricing indication to sellers. But when there's that inconsistency, they don't really know how the response is going to be mm. until it sort of hits the market. So, so what sort of gap are you seeing then between, if you said that this, that didn't meet the seller's expectations, yeah. 
What sort of gap are we seeing at the moment between sellers and, and buyers? Yes, yeah, so the sellers at the moment are 9.2% above the market uh, and buyers are 4.5% below. So what that means is the sellers on average start a campaign 9% above where they sell it. So they, you meet them day one or an agent meets them day one. They say, we want X. X traditionally and statistically is 9% above where they eventually sell their property. Uh, on, the, on the flip side, um, the buyer's opening offers are usually 4.5% below where it sells. Yep. So, um, so that gap's actually pretty narrow at the moment. That, mm. that's, been that's, as, that's tightened up a bit yeah, from previous. It's been as wide as almost 20% at mm. various stages. Um, but most sellers right now, if they're on the market, have got a reason to be on the market mm. because the biggest thing that's holding sellers off the market is a lack of choice when they sell. Mm. So if they're on the market now, there's probably a reason that they've they've already bought mm. or other life circumstances. Um, so you're not getting a lot of sellers that are coming on and testing at the moment because their fear is if they test and they get what they want, where do they go? Yeah. Mm. Um, nothing to rent, nothing to buy. Yeah, and buyers, by the same token, are, are being, you know, um, being relatively reasonable with the opening offers. Like 4.5% below is not horrifically low on an offer. Mm. It's actually pretty pretty reasonable. Mm. So they're acknowledging that, hey, there's not a lot around, let's try and buy stuff rather than, than gin around and, and sort of waste people's yeah. time. What about the impact of rising interest rates? Obviously, in the last 12 months, we've had, you know, a huge number of interest rate increases and of course just earlier this month we had yet another rate rise now are you finding that that's impacting on people's ability to be ready to bid at auction or um, has that not really been a concern for buyers because most buyers are finance ready isn't the melbourne cup day interest rate the biggest like slide through to the keeper with no one noticing <laughs> it, is, ever it always is it's a, like the exact time the cup jump like it's uh, i always laugh that every year like if ever you're gonna do an interest rate rise they should do it that day because no one notices it, it won't get the press that it will um but yeah look we've we've noticed a few buyers that have that have had more trouble obtaining finance or it's taken a little bit longer but it's also hard because the buyers will sometimes use that as a shield or a masquerade if they don't want the home, okay. they'll ring the mm. agent and say, oh, our finance hasn't come through. You know, um, what they're trying to do actually is defer decision-making because they're not sold on the home, mm. see if it passes in, get some more visibility and then decide if they want to buy it. The finance actually wasn't the issue. But in some situations, unquestionably, the finance has become an issue or, or borrowing capacity has been marginally affected. But it hasn't, on the seller and the buyer side, it hasn't impacted as much as we all suspected. Mm. We, we've done two mortgagey properties this year so basically none. Yeah. Like no one's really surrendered their house um, through mortgagee sales. And from the buyer's point of view, everyone spoke about how their, their borrowing capacity was going to be severely impacted. We haven't noticed many buyers that have jumped down pricing brackets. So I used to be able to afford this. Now I've got a like that hasn't really flowed on to us either. Maybe we just don't hear about it, but mm. um, it's probably less of an impact on both fronts than we thought. Mm. When, when you talk about a property passing in and people trying to negotiate after, do you see much difference in price then from when if you go to auction and a property passes in and you say, look, we'll go and negotiate now with, with conditional offers, mm. do you see much difference in the price from when it passes in? Does the seller change their expectations and lower a bit to meet the market or the buyers? You, is there much of a difference in it? Mm. Usually, traditionally, it, will, it might sell for a little bit more um, but with more risk. Yep. So the buyer who's post-auction acknowledges is that we weren't in as good a position as the bidders that you rejected on the day. Therefore, we've got to make our offer more attractive on price because it's mm. less attractive with risk that's there. Um, but most of the time when you balance price and risk, the best alternative is to sell it on the day. Yeah. Um, you know, a really good example of this, a high-profile example is The Block this year. I don't know if you watched The Block, but... <laughs> I, a little bit. We try not to. Yeah, <laughs> I try not to as well. But every year I watch the auctions because 
people talk about it and, and it's, yeah. it'd be irresponsible or professionally responsible if I didn't know what they were talking about. But, you know, the, the example, and that was really bad last year, but it, it was sort of prevalent again this year where they sort of get close to the reserve and then all of a sudden they start screaming at the auctioneer not to accept bids and to pass it in rather mm. than sell it. Like, that's all well and good, but the one that they did that for is still in the market now yeah. mm. at a lower price. So it was a poor decision for them not to sell it that night. Mm. Now... I wish they did a follow-up a month later and did a special as to kind of where are they now and they put it up and said, yeah, maybe in hindsight we probably – Scott shouldn't have told us to pass it in. We probably should have <laughs> sold it, not this Scott, but the other Scott, you know, like because yeah. there's no real responsibility there that they've they've sort of treated all – told all the vendors that passing it in is a better alternative than selling it at your reserve price. Nine times out of ten, it's not. Mm. Like your best buyers are usually in that room. Occasionally you might have a better buyer there, but that better buyer is always going to come with a large degree of risk. Wouldn't you love to do an auction with a couple of celebrities or um, high-profile people that really want to get in front of everyone? Going with $1 million to, bids. To go and up the price like that. <laughs> would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be very nice. Um, yeah, there's a number of things you can talk about talk about there, but I just think it's hard to, like the one I really felt sorry for and he cops so much criticism, I think um, the guy's name is Sam from Bell Property. Mm. Yeah. You know, they, they sort of were having a massive go at him for starting the auction at 2.7 and, you know, you should have started at 3.2. Well, A, that's above the reserve, so you can't, you can't start at 3.2 and B, if someone thought it was worth 3.2, they would have bid that. The bidding didn't even get close to that. Mm. So mm. magically wanting it to start at a high number does not Doesn't. magically create a high bid or else I just do it at every auction and magically walk in and, oh, I magically want this one to start above the reserve. Oh, there we go. Great, we're in our car. Like, you know, they get placed in a really difficult professional situation there. Um, and I thought, I thought he handled it as well as he could have, you know, while sort of copying abuse from, from people that don't really know what they're talking about. And the other thing is I think it's important for listeners to understand that the legislation here in Queensland is different to the legislation in Victoria. So, you know, what you what you might see on some of those shows like The Block, um, it doesn't necessarily apply here in Brisbane in relation to auctions. So if you're not familiar with the auction process, it's always a good idea to learn by going and watching a number of auctions or partnering with professional buyers agents that can help you understand uh, you know, the process, what to expect and, you know, what might happen if a property passes in because there is no exclusive right to negotiate. It's one of the biggest things that um, we often get asked by clients here in Queensland. There is no exclusive um, option to negotiate as um, the highest bidder with the seller um, if you if the property passes in with your highest bid. So that's when it opens up to all buyers and it's so important that all buyers understand that and they're not relying on that exclusive right to negotiate because it just doesn't exist. Yeah, I think the other, the other point that's really important people understand in Queensland is that just because a property hits reserve price doesn't mean they have to sell it. Correct. So you've got, you have to seek the seller's approval. So if we get a bid at an auction that's above a reserve price, you know, we we can't sell it until we ask ourselves permission. So, mm. you know, a lot of sellers feel like, oh, we're going to relinquish control because the moment it gets to reserve, they're going to roll over and announce it's for sale. That's certainly not what happens legally um, and not what happens in practice either. We've certainly seen you um, at auctions in action where uh, we know based on our comparable sales that it should have passed reserve and yet you're able <laughs> well, you to, don't know. You don't you're know. Able you're to just, squeeze a little more out of the you're buyers. Speculating, we are you, speculating, yes. but uh, we know the market and we know where the value sits. <laughs> so it's always interesting to observe you in action. So... And we always appreciate a skillful operator in this organ in this business. I like how you call me interesting and then skillful in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, full of compliments. You, yeah, yeah, you dig your hole, you fill it. Yeah. <laughs> what are you seeing, Justin? Uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, obviously, everyone asks us, um, and everyone wants to know what's when you that crystal ball, and when you look into it, what are you seeing for Brisbane? Say, let's just say for the next twelve months. 
Obviously, you've, you've got some bookings coming up towards Christmas, early in January. Listing numbers low, a lot of buyers. What are your sort of thoughts on Brisbane, say, for the next 12 months? I, I honestly think it's going to be another year of the same that we sort of had this year. Yeah. I, I don't see... The only thing that would change that would be a significant uptick in listings. That, yeah. That's the only thing that I can see... Um, that would make a big difference. Now, the writer I put on that is I've been wrong every time. So <laughs> I bet on the opposite is my my best advice. But the, the certainty that I can see in the short term is that we we know from year on year that buyers hit the market earlier than sellers um, uh, to start a year. So mm-hmm. buyers will enter the market, particularly in early to mid-January. That's when life changes yeah. happen for them. They're, they're traditionally quicker to move than sellers are. So there'll be more buyers around the early part of January, mid-January, late January. They'll get met with a influx of listings through probably mid-February, which then sort of takes us all the way through till probably the end of March. And then after that, it's kind of all bets are off. That's when things start to settle and you start to find the normal pattern of, of kind of the year after that. So I think those two things will happen. I do think we're running later this year um, than we traditionally have. So I think we, my guess is we'll come back earlier, that there'll be more property come to the market a little bit earlier and more buyers come to the market a little bit earlier than there has been. Mm-hmm. Um, People just wanted to get on with things, I think. Yeah, because the spring season this year was a little bit later. Mm, was, you yeah. know, we all thought that come sort of that August, September, it would, but it did send a push into a bit of more October-ish where the, the market sort of picked up and we had more listings. That's what we probably noticed. Yeah, well, October was our biggest month of the year. Yeah. So, and, and usually it's Feb- um, usually it's February and September. Yeah. Mm. So, interesting change. But, yeah, it's one of the cool things about our occupation is, you know, that um, there's so many variables and moving parts to it. And, and it can take a while to sometimes get a read and realise what you're in. It takes a few weekends in a row to kind of reinforce a pattern to go, oh, actually, we're seeing this now as a, as a consistent thing. Um, and then by the time you've sort of done that, usually it twists and turns in a different direction. Justin, as one of the leading auctioneers across all of Australasia, not just Australia, um, can you give some helpful hints and tips to buyers that may be looking to buy in Brisbane, specifically those that are looking to bid at an auction? What advice would you give to those buyers that are out there that are not being professionally represented by a buyer's agent? Yeah. um, Well, the first bit of advice, which is a a self... um, I guess the self plug is we just released a six or seven minute video around this about helping buyers bid at auction. So okay. um, source that would be my first bit of advice. Um, the second thing, and it probably serves you guys, is look at employing a professional. Like it is a big decision in the scope of your life. So if you're a bit unsure or you're, you're a bit time poor or whatever, maybe it's not the worst thing to engage a professional. Um, now that that sponsored plug's out of the way, we can, we can get on with the real <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Proudly brought to you by the team at Streamline Property Buyers. Um, the best advice, there's, there's a couple of bits of best advice I can give. The first one is, is have a plan. Mm. So if you go in without a strategy, you're, you're more than likely to get swallowed up by someone who's, who has one. Mm-hmm. And just to be clear, waiting for something to happen is not a strategy. It's like trying to win the lotto without buying a ticket. <laughs> you, you've got to be in it to, to win it. So um, my favorite statistic in real estate is that 68% of the time is the opening bidder at an auction buys the property. So purely by one action, you can put yourself in the majority chance to buy it rather than minority chance. And a lot of people will come in nervous. Your best way to expel the nerves is by putting your hand in the air. Mm. As soon as you put your hand in the air, a lot of the fear and anxiety and uncertainness goes away. Um, and the good thing is you may just start to intimidate your competition out of bidding. A lot of people think, oh, I'm going to wait and get away, get a lay of the land. But the problem is that lay of the land becomes their competitors who get confident and comfortable, which then pushes the price up. Mm. Best advice I can give, though, um, throughout the auction is bid quickly. That's 
the best strategy I think that I that I see buying an auction. Doesn't have to be huge amounts, huge jumps, just bid quickly. It does two things. Number one, it infers that you've got a never ending budget. So it makes it look like you're not even concerned as to what the price might be. The second thing it does, it, it defers decision making to the other people. So while you you're with webinar against you, while you're talking about what you're gonna do, you know, and then eventually you put your paddle up, bang, I go again comes back to you, decisions on you again. But we're actually talking about what you're going to do while you do it. Oh, okay, we've got another 50, bang, another 50. Like, and the pressure just keeps um, mm. putting itself on you. And then what most people will traditionally do is take longer to place their bids and then start to put their bids down. Mm. So rather than going 50, they'll start to go, oh, okay, we'll go 25. You know, that's like blood in the water to a great white. Like, don't drop to 25, do another 50 and just demoralize them. You know, oh, we'll go 50. Like, and they're like, oh, well, we're not even in this game. So and just by that strategy, you can really kind of um, intimidate others. But the three figures that you want to work on, your dream figure, which is the price you'd love to buy it for, but it's probably not realistic. Your fair figure, which is the figure based upon your research. You think this is where it's likely to go and we would pay that for it. And the last one's your absolute. If it goes a dollar past your absolute, you're, you're out anyway. And if you just work inside of those three figures with a strategy, then you're going to give yourself the best chance. And for our listeners, you don't have to do 50 like Justin just said. Hundreds are fine too, yeah, hundreds of thousands, yeah. I, I, I want to tell a quick story, an auction that we were at, um, that we were bidding at and you were calling, Justin, and it's to the point in a way of um, the first person that the first person to put a bid in, 68%, you said, buys the property. Um, we actually put the first bid in on the property and um, the agent had a good strategy on that one that the first bid got a bottle of Verve. So that was another strategy, I guess, from from the agent to say the first bid gets a bottle of Verve. And 100% um, of the time you get a good time. So yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, up, we got the uh, the bottle of Verve. We For actually bought clients. the property and our client got the bottle of Verve. Sure so. they did, mate. Yeah, yeah. sure they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> May not be that original bottle, but they got a bottle of Verve at some point in time. Yeah. Oh, no, and I think that's um, – they're all good tips to, to share with the audience there's a lot of people that may only ever bid once in a lifetime mm. at auction when mm. they are buying property because buying property is not something that the majority of individuals do every day so um, if you're unsure follow those tips take the advice from the training uh, video that Justin has put out on the Apollo auctions we might be able to put that in the show notes of yeah. um, tonight's episode um, but also if you're unsure, seek the help of a professional buyer's agent because they'll be able to guide you through not only understanding the objective value, but also in setting that walkaway price so that you're not going to feel disappointed if you do miss out and you're not going to let those um, emotional experiences that, that will cause anxiety and um, turmoil for you during an auction impact on the um, decision to buy. So that's where an, an agent who is completely independent and non-emotional can really assist. Do you see many units going for auctions at the moment? Houses tend to yeah. always be sort of, well, not always, but houses tend to be more um, of the trend of auctions. What, what about units? Because the unit market is pretty competitive and strong. Yeah, and that's that's um, led to the, the rise of units being auctioned. Yeah. Traditionally, it was houses yeah. um, or very, very special or unique units. But now because units have become you know, a really good entry point for a lot of people into the market or being able to get what they want, what they have to sacrifice at the yard, but they can get um, a product, a finished product that they like and they want with all the kind of required amenities and conveniences, they become more popular. And as they become more popular, that competition is driven, you know, more and more face-to-face -face auctions. So um, we've definitely done more unit auctions this year than we would have done last year, which would have been more than, or probably not more than 2021 because that was probably the, the year where everything was going to auction. Yep. Um, but definitely more than the flow-on effect in the years before that. 
Can I also ask um, one indicator that we haven't yet touched on, Justin, and that's auction clearance rates. And I know we've spoken previously, and for those that listen to our podcast, when we have interviewed Justin, he's indicated that um, auction clearance rates are not always an indicator of the, the buyer demand or the buyer sentiment in the market. It can sometimes be a reflection of you know, the seller's thought process and seller sentiment. Can you just talk us through how auction clearance rates have changed throughout the year and where are they at at the moment? Are they trending up or down? Yeah, so we, we always say that, that the auction clearance rates measure seller sentiment, not buyer mm. strength, because it's the percentage of sellers who are prepared to release their property on any particular given weekend. Um, the clearance rates have been really, like, it's a cliche, but they've been really strong. And I know you're not going to have an auctioneer come in here and say the clearance rate's been horrible and it's been dreadful, but they've actually been surprisingly strong through most of the year. Um, we had a period there where we were above, I think we were above 70% for a number of weeks in a row, which is really high. Mm. Um, most of the year, though, has hovered between that mid-50s to mid-60s. And traditionally, back in kind of um, pre-COVID days, Brisbane sat usually mid-30s to early 40s. Mm. That was normality. Mm. Um, and in fact, when, when I sort of first started calling auctions, you know, we were looking at sometimes it was sort of 25% or 20 to 25%. So it's definitely been um, a new normal in terms of the clearance rate being much stronger here. Our, our clearance rate's been really competitive with Melbourne, Sydney, which are deemed to be the auction capitals, um, and even places like Canberra, which traditionally has a high clearance rate as well. So yeah, Brisbane's mm. kind of been at the real forefront of, um, of auctions in terms of the performance this year, which is nice. Mm. It's nice when you pull up the, you know, domain app or the realestate.com app on a Saturday afternoon and you see a good number, yeah. you know, staring back at you. It's, it's like, well, everyone feels good about auctions and life. So. And it's also a function of the fact that perhaps people are feeling a little bit more comfortable with auction as a sale process because yeah. I know, you know, a lot of people in the past um, or a lot of sellers have opted for private treaty sales. So as the volume of auctions perhaps has increased over time, people have become more confident about bidding at auction and buying at auction. Um, but, you know, from our perspective as buyers agents, we feel it's the most transparent way to buy property. A lot of people are scared about the auction process, especially um, buyers. However, in our opinion, it is the most transparent way to buy property because you can see your competition. Um, you can see the, the price feedback in real time coming from other buyers. And, you know, because of that, it's a very transparent way to buy. The alternative under a private treaty sale where you might have a depth of buyers is multiple offer. And that's effectively a blind offer system. You don't know where any others offers are sitting. Um, you don't necessarily have visibility over how many other offers you might be competing with um, and everything's just silent and blind. So, you know, in that those instances, you can see some people stretch well above the second underbidder, if you like, um, to secure a property, whereas that's less likely to happen at auction because you can see the competition around you in real time. And I've heard you say that sometimes. And it's, it's look, whether it's a tactic, Justin, but it's true And when you say to people, if you don't, you've got an opportunity to buy a property now at auction, and if you don't, you'll buy it blind and you will go to multi-offer. And it is, it's a really tough way to buy a property. If you don't understand the market, yep. it's a really tough way to buy it. I, again, personally, I'd prefer to buy an auction. Um, because you know what that other person's going to spend. Yeah, un unquestionably. And look, I'm biased. I'm, I clearly am biased because I'm an auctioneer, so I always tilt towards the auction in this debate. But I think multiple offers is a dreadful way to mm. buy a property. Like, you, you have no visibility, like I said, over anything. You know, you run two risks. One is you significantly overpay. The second one is you get beaten by a minuscule amount. Mm. That you say, oh, we would pay that. Well, you, you, yeah, you didn't. You didn't. Um, you're also putting a lot of faith and trust in the agent that they're telling you and relying to you the information they can. Um, and there's no, you know, preferential treatment to anyone else like you've mm. you've got no idea about any of that and we have um 
so we have buyers say to us all the time, I hate, I hate auctions. And, and you say, well, do you enjoy multiple offers? Like, yeah. oh, no, I hate that too. Well, you, you're going to have to – in this market, you're probably going to have to buy through one of those two ways. Yeah. Um, we were we were bidding an auction about a month ago and we were walking there and we were talking about how, you know, we had the same kind of nervous anxiety that everyone feels at bidding an auction. And I said to my, I said to my wife, I said, look, I'd – I'd much rather be bidding at auction now than a multiple offer. Yeah. Like, because we, we're going to see what happens. Like, yeah. your visibility is in front of you, and that visibility helps you. Like, the transparency is your friend as a buyer, not your enemy. So, embrace it because buyers that get in the room and then refuse to negotiate and go, oh, we'll just let it pass in. Well, you're going to have more competition, less transparency, and not a direct line to the owner. Mm. Why would you want to sacrifice those three things? Like, you sort of buy it or walk out of here and don't look back. Like, that's kind of the, the, two, um, the two alternatives. Justin, you just said that you were a bidder at an auction um, for a property you were looking to buy just recently. What was your perspective in going into an auction as a buyer or a bidder as opposed to as the auctioneer? How did that sit with you? I thought I'd make the auctioneer's life misery. I thought I'll try all the <laughs> tactics that I got, you know, one grand bids right from the get-go. We're on the market every five seconds, you know. I thought I'd really put the auctioneer on the spot and say, can you, so, uh, can you just explain clause 34.6 in some more detail to me if you don't mind? Um, no, I think we, we just went in with the mentality of trying to put into practice everything that we've preached which yeah. is don't be a spectator participate bid quickly have our numbers in mind and if it goes beyond our numbers it goes beyond our numbers and and that's that's sort of what we did like it was when it when it all boils down to it when you've got a plan and a game plan you're following it it's just about executing that game plan and emotion kind of goes out to it unless you get to the end and you're in a bidding war and it's going above your figure and like then the emotion comes back in but if you've actually got a logical plan 99% of the emotion goes out of it because you're just working inside that framework um, that was there so yeah that's that's what we that's what our, our goal and our focus was to do um, wasn't necessarily successful. Um, well, it depends what you define success as. We were the highest bidder, um, but we had a seller who wasn't necessarily willing to meet us where we wanted to be met, mm. um, either during the auction or after, and, and they, they exercised their right to rent it out the property after, right. so we didn't end up buying it. But uh, like, I'm also pragmatic about it enough to say, you know what, I understand as a buyer, my, my role is to satisfy the owner mm. because they have what I want. So in this negotiation always is, we call it a partially fixed negotiation. What the seller's offering is fixed. What the buyer's offering is variable. So the seller isn't changing what they're offering. They've got the house, that's it. Mm. So it, the onus is on me as the buyer to satisfy them or else they're gonna to continue to retain the asset that I wanted. And we just didn't wanna to get to a number that satisfied them and that's okay. Like, mm. you know, there's no anger or bitterness or oh, they should accept their offer. And like, they've got the asset we wanted. We weren't prepared to pay what they wanted for their asset and that's okay. Like, yeah. Life goes on. It's a very good way to look at property transactions in an anonymous way. That's after way. egging their house and, you know, you know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I definitely didn't do that. Please. Yeah. But no, like I just, we see a lot of people like take it personally. Like yeah. they get into a negotiation, both sides. Mm. You know, the buyer thinks the seller's trying to rip them off and the seller thinks the buyer's and they get so angsty about the person and, oh, they're a tie kick. It's like, well, out of the 15 bidders or four, five bidders we have here, they're your best one. Mm. They're not the worst. Mm. They're the highest. Yeah. So if you feel horribly about them, how do you feel about the other 11 the people race. that are outside? <laughs> like they get really angsty towards that person. And you say, well, they're, they're our best person. And also, oh, that seller. And we say to them, you're not buying the seller. You're just buying the house. Mm. So forget about how you feel about the seller. You, they're not going to be here when you buy it. 
mm. just focus on buying the house. But I think that the amount of negotiations I've been involved with allows me to be more pragmatic about it. Yeah. Because you see the mistakes people make. Mm. The car trip was okay home with your wife that you missed when you it was, it was It was actually very close to our house. So we actually walked home. <laughs> okay. Walk of shame. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the more emotional one than my wife is. So yeah, okay. I'm the one that says, oh, I really want it. Whereas she's kind of like, oh, yeah. So. Um, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be. Like that's a, that's actually the kind of the way to think about it. It just it just wasn't meant to be, and um, you know it'll it'll be what it'll be. And yeah, we'll we'll um, we're not really in the market now, but um, so please don't flood our inbox with any <laughs> anything that you have. Um, but if it's meant to be and, and the right thing comes up, then so be it. How, how was it bidding as an auctioneer with an auctioneer? That experience for you was it? Did it yeah, feel awkward or it was? It didn't feel awkward. It felt odd. Yeah. Um, it felt odd to be in a crowd and like we were trying to work out where we're going to stand. Like usually as the auctioneer, you're kind of like... At the front. You stand at the front. Well, you stand at the front <laughs> and you go to the spot you want to stand in and move whoever's there and like you can't do that as a player. Like, <laughs> so we wanted to make sure, and, and you guys would, would no doubt employ this, we wanted to make sure we had visibility over other bidders yeah. uh, because that's that's data for us. Like, you know, you guys would know this well if, if bidders start to have conversations, that's a trigger to show that maybe they're slowing down or their body language. So I wanted to be able to see everything. Things, which yeah. is that was probably the weirdest bit is trying to try the the um the bit but then the other weird thing is because as an auctioneer you exist in kind of your own auctioneer bubble you don't hear any other auctioneers like the terms and conditions are different to how i do them like yeah. the, the style's <laughs> different it's all kind of like a bit odd um yeah it's a bit of an odd experience but also very good to go back through the experience as a buyer so then when you go into negotiations to deal with buyers you've got a real empathy and understanding for what they're feeling mm, um, rather absolutely. than just saying words yeah. Mm. And makes perfect sense. Buying property, selling property, it's a huge emotional experience for buyers and sellers. And, you know, as auctioneers, as buyers agents, sales agents also, we're just there to facilitate the process and usually to take the emotion out of the process. And hopefully tonight in this um, update, it's helped you to understand what's actually happening on the ground, especially in the Brisbane auction market. And of course, we've had such a change in market dynamics over the last 12 months, which we've talked about tonight. We've had interest rates increase. Um, they've been on hold. They've they've gone up again in November. Um, from what you've said, it doesn't appear to be impacting the Brisbane market um, here at all at the moment, um, Justin. But also that auction market's still very strong um, and that's filtering through in some solid prices that are being achieved for some of those properties as well. I Look, I, I agree. You talked about the market. I, I can't see Brisbane really slowing down. I, I think there's a lot of positive things happening up here. Um, we're very positive about it. Um, I always tease people and, and say things on the podcast about our beautiful weather, even though we're getting a bit of rain here at the moment. I can't really sort of spruik about that at, at the moment. We do need it, though. We do it's need it. Yeah. It's been dry for a while. Um, but, yeah, look, I think it's, I think it's positive. Um, I think there's a lot of good things happening here in Brisbane. So um, interesting that auctions are still happening very popular. Mm. I, I can see that space probably improving which is probably good for you um and i think i think yeah i think properties will sell at auction and people will get get the hang of that a little bit more and especially that unit market as well as you touched on yeah absolutely yeah justin thank you so much for joining us coming into the office tonight and um sharing your intel with our audience we do really appreciate the time that that you give and the information that you share so we're very thankful and um yeah pleasure guys thank you thanks 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 justin enjoyed it um look that's about it from us. Um, thank you very much for, for tuning in to the Brisbane Property Panel. Um, my name's Scott Jennison. Um, thanks to Justin and Melinda. And hopefully there's been some good tips and some information out of tonight for everyone. So thanks very much for listening um, and take care and bye. 
Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.